Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join with us this morning. We're still facing difficult times, but nevertheless, we are blessed that we can connect and have fellowship in this way. God willing, we will be able to start meeting at the church sooner rather than later. Gwyneth and I are looking forward to that. I recently read a report on a documentary on the life of Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player. It noted that he attributed much of his success to being able to take negative experiences and to make them opportunities to grow and get better. He saw disappointments as motivators to do better. Maybe God wants us to see these difficult times as a motivator to grow in God. I believe that with God's help, we we can come out of these difficult times better and stronger people of God. Not just stronger people, but stronger people of God. There is much talk about our liberties and freedoms being violated. Uh, Personally, it seems to me that whether their judgment is right or wrong, what we're being asked to do is for the common good. And it is here that I take Paul's counsel in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Now, I've not shared with you much lately on what is going on. I have not felt any definite direction in my spirit regarding matters, and I've really been waiting for the Lord to quicken something to me. Earlier this week, the Lord brought some verses from Psalm 46 into my mind. I have noticed that many have quoted this psalm lately, in particular the first few verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountain is be <coughs> moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. But for me, the verses that I felt the Lord strongly impressing on my spirit were verses 10 to 11. Psalm 46, 10 to 11. Be still and know that I am gone. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Within a day or two, Sister Noreen referred to this in her Facebook post. As I observe, it seems to me that there seems to be a lot of frantic activity in Christian circles these days. This ministry, that ministry, this prophet, that prophet, this whoever in the Christian world are all endeavoring to find and promote their take on what is happening, on which all seems to be in order to bring attention to their ministry. Now, regrettably, with so many divergent voices, there is much confusion in all the messages and announcements that are being published across all the various Christian media outlets, ministries, and on Facebook and Twitter, and that all they are producing is, it seems to me, frantic Christians, when the scriptures clearly tell us that we should be people that know the peace of God in our hearts. God may be saying to us, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so let me ask you, can it be that God is saying to you and me, just stop trying to work out this out and simply put your trust in me. I have everything under control. Sit back and see the salvation of the Lord. Here's two scriptures to encourage you and which you can go back and study them later. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, we read this, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Then in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 26, it says, So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. Now I know that it's not easy for most of us, if not all of us, to simply stop and step back. We have a need to know. We are driven to do whatever we can to find the answer. And we feel vulnerable when we don't know what is happening. I believe it's clear from God's word that there are times that God says you don't need to know everything. Just put your trust in me. He says no matter what the future holds. In the verse we just quoted, he's saying I will be exalted. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted among the nations. And the Lord of hosts is with you. The God of Jacob is your fortress. When God asked the children of Israel to remain in captivity until it was his timing to free them, he warned them about listening to divergent prophetic messages, which satisfied the flesh. But then he spoke through Jeremiah something that we often hear quoted. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So, as far as these circumstances we are in today, I trust that these few thoughts will be, will maybe be a means of encouragement. I will leave them with you to ask the Lord if they for you also. They certainly were an encouragement to me. Now moving on to today's message, we have come to the last subject in our series, Values That Build Lives and Churches, or as I uh, recently mentioned, uh, the building blocks of a Christ-like life. Now values are very important and can have a, a, a significant effect upon our lives. As we mentioned at the beginning of the series, uh, the words of Roy uh, Disney. It's not hard to make decisions once you know what your values are. And so our subject today is accountability. My spiritual assignment. We'll start by looking at Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. And 11. It says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. 
For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We live in a culture which emphasizes individual rights, but which very often ignore individual responsibility. Unfortunately, this attitude has been slowly <coughs> filtering into the church, where the emphasis is in much preaching is directed to claiming one's rights as children of the king, etc. A spirit of entitlement has been created devoid of any personal responsibility, where the emphasis is on doing rather than being. Now we have come to God by God's grace, and we find ourselves free from condemnation because of his grace. Yes, we've acquired the right of salvation by grace through faith. We can claim that right because of our faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. However, the New Testament writers make it clear that we must not sit or lie back in presumption. They clearly teach us that we are brought into a place of responsibility before God to produce the evidence in our lives. Jesus himself said, By their fruits you shall know them. Now the word of God reminds us that as believers we must make a choice between our old lifestyle and our new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to be sure here, so that there's no misunderstanding, I want to be sure here, this is not about earning our salvation. But it is about getting the best out of our relationship with the Lord. We can never earn our salvation by making ourselves good. However, Jesus said in Luke chapter 3 and verse 8, Prove the way you live by the way, sorry, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And so we're going to turn to Second Peter chapter 1. And uh, as we look at this together, uh, we see a sequence which starts in verse 3. Verse 3 says this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and grace and excellence. We have received everything, this verse tells us, we have received everything we need for living a godly life. Now we have received it freely, not by our own works, not by our own effort or righteousness, but it is the gift of God. Now next in verse 5 to 9, we read this. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 9. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, 
and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Amen. Hallelujah. In view of all this, in view of what? It's in view of what we have been given in verse 3. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Then Peter finishes off verse 10 and 11. He says, So dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things. That is all the things we've just read, verse 5 to 9, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a good entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now it's clear that the Apostle is your teaching that each of us has a personal responsibility for living the living out of the gospel in our personal lives. These are things we must work on. These are things we must seek to apply or implement in our lives. These are things we are responsible for. This is our spiritual assignment. But lest we get overwhelmed, you get overwhelmed by, by that thought, let's always remember what verse 3 says. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need. Let me repeat that. God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. Now for me, that's encouraging. That's exciting. That's empowering. And I believe that it should be for everyone else also. Let's look at how Paul looked at these things. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 to 9. Paul, right into the Philippians, says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And just some background, the, the Christians in Philippi came out of a heathen environment. Most of those who lived in Philippi practiced ways of life which were totally unacceptable for a Christian. As Christians today, we live in a society which is predominantly ungodly, which contains many ungodly practices, and which promotes lifestyles and values that are ungodly. But the Word of God <coughs> tells us that we are called as believers to avoid that which is ungodly, 
just as much as the early Philippian Christians were encouraged by Paul to avoid. See, Christian behavior is not an automatic result of salvation. It is learned by conscious practice and imitation, by making every effort to conform to the Word of God. In other words, being a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist declared, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. I want to emphasize again, we're not talking about earning our salvation, but it's about getting the most, the best that we can out of our relationship and our walk with the Lord. Let me leave you with some scriptures to consider further in your own time. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Philippians 2, 12, uh, 12 in the NLT, Galatians 5, 25 in the, in the English Standard Version says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Uh, the message puts it this way, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. The Word of God urges us to continue behaving as Christians in our daily lives in order to show the world that Christ lives in us. Jesus himself put it this way in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 8 and verse 31 in the NLT, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Then again in John chapter 13 verse 35, and this is the message, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. Then John chapter 15 and verse 8, and the English Standard Version says this, By this, Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. See, it's, it's the opposite of the famous Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. For believers, we do it his way. We do it the Lord's way. You see, there's a wonderful end result when we accept this responsibility to seek to live our lives in a Christ-like manner. It's the reward of more of the presence of God in our lives. God will never leave us or forsake us. But there can be more of God in our lives as we yield to the work of the Holy Spirit to change us day by day. See, there is an aspect in God's relationship with us that because of his holiness, his nearness to us is affected when we are living our lives in an unworthy manner. I believe the proof that our faith is genuine is our desire for holy living. Although the Bible acknowledges that we will fail from time to time, but we have this promise in 
First John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The fact is we should be steadily progressing toward a more godly life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 we read this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The New Living Translation puts it this way, So all of us who have had that veil removed, see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So let me end this morning by summing up everything we've considered in this series, in this series of messages. In this series of messages. Why have I put so much emphasis on these values, or life principles? Well, it's because I believe they lead to empowered lives. My desire for you this morning is that the power of God's word be released in and through you, that each and every one of you will manifest more and more what it is to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, to live empowered lives. As a leadership at Transformation Church, we are committed to encouraging everyone who is part of our fellowship to be all that God has purposed us to be. And I trust that as we have shared these messages together, we will have been truly built up individually to become a healthy church and a visible manifestation of the life of Christ on the earth. A church that sees its members ministering Jesus to one another and to our community in the power of the Holy Spirit. In short, being empowered Christians, making up and being part of an empowered church. I want to just summarize what we've been sharing by seeing them as building blocks of the empowered life. An empowered life is one that has been made whole in the Lord Jesus Christ. An empowered life is a life that's lived full of gratitude and thankfulness and joy. An empowered life is one that is fulfilling God's purpose in their life, in its life. An empowered life is one that puts giving before receiving. An empowered life is a life that has a servant's heart. An empowered life honors God, honors others, and values others. And an empowered life 
accepts responsibility and accountability for one's spiritual walk. Now I'm excited when I think about the potential we can have as a church if we all make that determined effort to be all that God intends us to be. Living an overcoming, empowered life that is demonstrating the power of the gospel in our community and to the world around about us. I believe that we will be, <laughs> that we will truly begin to experience what Jesus said. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. Let's pray together. As I pray, I trust that you will pray this prayer with me, just where you are. Father, I thank you that your plan for my life is an abundant and empowered life. I surrender every area of my life to you and your purposes. I do not hold anything back. I want to become what you have saved me for. Thank you that with the help of your Holy Spirit, I can have clarity of vision for my future and how you can use me for your glory. I thank you that you are always seeking to work in my life to make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Help me to accept responsibility for the part I must play in my spiritual growth. I thank you that I can trust you to complete your work in me. I determine right now to make your purposes in my life a priority and to direct all my energies towards this goal so that I can live my life empowered by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.